Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, academic, spouse, mom, and advocate for change. On this podcast, I hold space for women and non-binary individuals to share their stories. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for being here today and enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, today I'm here with Terry. Terry Weber is a senior pilot and seasoned C-17A instructor, aircraft commander in the U.S. Air Force. Uh, so I'm a little familiar with the military. My spouse was in the Navy. So. Love it, love it. <laughs> it won't be the same, same. People don't realize like just because it's the military and it's not same, same. So I love it when people ask too. They're like, oh, my brother's friend is in the army. Do you know him? And I'm like, I, I wish, but it's a really big organization. I'm sorry. <laughs> Even if they were in the Air Force, you might not know I them. know, I know. Like, I'm like, <laughs> let's just narrow this down. Are they on submarines? No. Exactly. He, he does not know them. Yep, yep. <laughs> so anyways, uh, Terry has experience leading combat ready air crew members and operating a 295 million aircraft. Whoo, they spend so much money in the military, I tell you, uh, in support of humanitarian relief, medical evacuations, presidential movements, and the Department of Defense initiatives. Terry is currently assigned to headquarters, Air Force, the Pentagon. Uh, I got to see the Pentagon one time. Uh, It was good. uh, So my spouse was on a boat, and I'm not going to say which one, but it was named after somebody really important. And uh, so we got some very important uh, tours, uh, including the fact that we got to be on uh, the Senate floor. So it was very fancy. Uh, So I did get (laughs) to see the Pentagon one time and it, it was a great tour. So anyways, side note. Uh, And she is the author of the upcoming picture book series, Operation Aviation. Terry lives in Washington, D.C. with her husband, an active duty Marine, and their young son and daughter. Major Terry Weber Boyvin's opinions do not express those of the Department of Defense or the Department of the Air Force, which is important to say. (laughs) Yes, please don't. I don't want to be arrested. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't do well in prison or anything. No, I'm sure you're not going to share with us any confidential information, so you'll be safe there. Um, (laughs) So, Terry, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So uh, uh, we've interviewed a lot of, not a lot, but we've interviewed a few women that have served or are serving in the military, Uh, but I always think that they're very important they're very important interviews because people may be wondering, why did you join the Air Force? Like, you know, it takes a special person to join the military, period, much less a woman in a in a world where it's still pretty misogynistic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And um, I come from a unique background in that I'm actually a fourth generation military officer. So um, both of my parents were career soldiers in the army. Um, both of my grandfathers were in the army. My great grandfather was in the army, um, later the army air corps before it was the air force. So I come kind of from a long line of military families. Um, and I've always had that exposure growing up. So the military for me was never like this mystery entity. Like I knew kind of exactly what I was getting myself into, if you will. So, um, I joined, I wanted to serve, you know, I, I again, come from a long line of people who served their country and I thought that would be 
cool and fun. And um, I got to see all of the really unique opportunities that my parents had as we were growing up and all the places they lived and people that they got to know and the leadership stuff. And it was all just really interesting to me. So yeah, decided um, I wanted to join. I thought aviation would be cool. Um, went into the Air Force straight out of college. I did ROTC at Baylor, um, got my commission from there. And then yeah, went straight to flight school. And fun fact, I actually went to flight school with the Navy down in uh, Whitingfield, Florida. So I'm well familiar with all the Navy folks. <laughs> yeah, Navy. It's such a big thing. And like we were saying earlier, is like people, I'll have people like, my brother is ner- like serving in the Navy. Does your spouse know him? I'm like, was yep. he on submarines? No, then no. Or they'll I say, will yes. say one time it actually happened. So my husband's a Marine and, you know, their institution is quite a bit smaller, um, yeah. smaller population than everybody else's. So, but yeah, one time somebody was like, do you know my boyfriend? And he was like, oh my God. Yeah, actually I do. Like, this is the first time this has ever happened when I know the person that somebody asked me about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even if somebody's on us, like on submarines, it's still, it's a very small community, but there's mm-hmm. still a possibility that oh, yeah. he's never served with them in his entire yep. career of 20 yep. plus years. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, you know, it's a, a the military's really big. The Air Force is big. Navy's big. Marine Corps, not as not as big. Um, they like to joke about how the Navy owns the Marine Corps. So, oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> Department of the Navy. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Which of course, well, I guess is- now the. Air Force has that with the Space Force, so we own the Space Force now. So you know. that's true. That's very <laughs> true. I actually know someone who was in the Air Force and got transferred to the Space Force. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's even like the jargon that we use. So I used to it was Headquarters Air Force, and now it's Department of the Air Force because now we're a department because we have um, Space Force under us. So just little stuff like that. You're like, oh yeah, this is this is real life. This is happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, so much like you, my spouse joined the Navy because he's many generations of military and it was, it's kind of in, in his blood, right? It's kind of in your blood where it's just like, you're used to it. You know what to expect from military life. Like he knew his dad was in the military, his grandfather, his great grandfather. So they knew what to expect where somebody like me gets married into it. And I'm like, what is this world? (laughs) Yeah. And I say all the time, I'm so impressed by people who join the military or who marry a service member without having any background in that lifestyle. So uh, my husband, his parents are both immigrants and he is the first one in his family to obviously join the military. I was like, how in the world did you just like wake up one day and thought this would be a cool idea? And he's like, yeah, pretty much. But that just blows my mind. Like I, it's not impressive for me because I grew up in it, but you know, the people who you just wake up and they're like, this sounds like a good idea. I'm so impressed by that. I would never in a million years be able to pull that off. So what has your experience been like in the military? On this podcast, there's a common theme when we get people, get women, because this is about women, um, women from the military. There's a common theme of like misogyny that (laughs) seems to pop up. So what has your experience been like with that? Yeah, so I, I will say the, you know, the military often gets highlighted as having these issues and not to downplay them at all. But I think it's important to note as well that the military is just a, a sample of the population. So right. whatever's going on in the greater world, in the greater United States is just happening in a smaller 
sort of community within the military. So all that being said, though, um, yeah, I've, I mean, I'll be the first to admit I don't look like your average Air Force pilot. I don't talk like your average Air Force pilot. I don't act like your average Air Force pilot. Um, I mean, I'm a woman for one, and we only make up 7% of military aviators. Um, but I'm also a girly girl. Like, I really like being feminine. That's just who I am. Um, I mean, I'm sitting here looking at a Lisa Frank sticker on my pink water bottle, and that helps kind of paint a picture. <laughs> like, I'm super bubbly and peppy and upbeat, um, like Elle Woods, but in a flight suit. So, um, yeah, I mean, throughout the course of my career, I've definitely felt the pressure to conform to a more traditional definition of a military officer, a military leader. Um, my individuality has made me stand out and kind of feel other in my community, which mm. means I've been the recipient, you know, of everything from the snide pointed comments, the passive aggressive sexist remarks to kind of an extreme example of like full on reproach. Um, the most glaring example of this uh, was actually when I was in flight school. Like I said, I was training with the Navy. Um, there was this Marine instructor who very much fit the stereotype of a Marine and that he was super <laughs> masculine, like really serious. He was terrifying. Um, and we flew one training event together when I was at the beginning of the um, uh, pipeline. And he completely destroyed me in the debrief, like total bloodbath. Um, and I had expected negative feedback regards to my flying because I had, what, like five hours in the T-6 at that point, the T-6 being yeah. the type of aircraft I was flying at the time. So, I mean, I was super inexperienced. I knew my flying wasn't great. I was expecting that. Um, but this guy then took it several steps further and made his criticism um, personal, which was not fantastic. Um, so kind of summarize what he said, he made it clear that he did not appreciate my lack of conformity to that traditional military persona. Um, he said I was unprofessional. He mocked my mannerisms. He mocked how I spoke. He said it was basically impossible to take me seriously. Um, he then provided me with some constructive, quote unquote, feedback, um, which is that I essentially overhaul my entire personality to better assimilate because um, as it currently stood, I was not a good representative of the Air Force or of the officer corps in general. Um, and as you can imagine, I was completely mortified, right? Like I'm a brand new second lieutenant. I'm a young, dumb student pilot. I have nothing to my name at this point. Um, he was a senior instructor. He was relatively high ranking. He was a Marine. He had one instructor of the year or some shit. I don't even know. But um, so I took his comments as truth, right? Like I trusted his authority. Right. I trusted that he knew what he was talking about. Um, but I was also really confused though, because I wasn't doing anything differently than my peers. Um, I was working my ass off, quite frankly, like literally pouring my blood, sweat, and tears into this training. I was giving it everything that I had. Um, and I wasn't doing anything weird that could objectively be seen as unprofessional. I was really just showing up, briefing, flying, debriefing, and going home. So anyway, his comments made me so self-conscious. Um, I just started keeping my head down, trying to shrink myself, trying to be as, you know, professional, again, quote unquote, as possible. Um, I was, you know, dejected, miserable, anxiety was insane, literally sobbed uncontrollably every day driving to a poor base, like the poor gate guards were like, what the <laughs> F is wrong with this chick? Like every time she I've been there, up, she's like bawling, right? Like, oh my God, so embarrassing. So anyway, um, yeah, it was just like a constant state of being like, what am I even doing here? Like, I don't fit in, I don't belong. It was just a horrible feeling that I'm sure so many women experience in their lifetimes, you know, especially women in STEM fields, women of color, like this is not a unique experience. Um, right. And it sucks. Like I'm with you. I know how like it's horrible. Um, but anyway, for lack of a better option, I kept going to work every day because it's not like you can just quit the military. I mean, like I literally had no other choice. 
keeps showing up if I didn't want to go to jail for going AWOL. So yeah, you um, signed a contract they owned you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh man, if I could have not shown up, I wouldn't have. They kind of forced my hand. So um eventually though, like all the briefs and the flights started adding up. And one day I realized like I had made a decent dent in the T6 syllabus by some miracle. Um, and also objectively, like looking on paper, I was doing really well. Um, which the beauty of aviation is that airplanes don't care about your personality. Um, <laughs> like they're 100% objective. So like either you stay on altitude or you don't stay on altitude, you know, you main a target speed or you don't, you land within parameters or you don't. So this subjectivity showed me in black and white that I was actually pretty good at my job. Um, I mean, I was meeting and sometimes exceeding the programs to find standards. So that was kind of the moment that it clicked for me that maybe I did actually belong in this community, regardless of what this guy thought of me. Um, and then as I got more confident in my flag, I got more confident in kind of showing up as my authentic self. And um, I realized by doing that, that there are people, are people now, and there were people then, both peers and instructors, who actually liked me for who I was. Um, I mean, I had assumed that this one Marine was speaking on behalf of the entire institution, you know, that he just kind of spoke for everyone and saying that everyone disliked me and thought I didn't belong there, thought I didn't belong in military aviation. But in reality, like he was one dude and he was old and grumpy and like past his prime. So, you know, looking at it from a clear lens backwards, it's easy to see that when you're in it, like for those going through it now, I know it's so much easier said than done when you can just like dismiss it as like, oh, it's just one dude. But at the end of the day, it was just one dude. Um, and the types of things that he didn't like about me actually gave me a leg up. Um, you know, I brought something new to the table. My femininity, mm -hmm. my uniqueness kind of gave me an edge over all of the other pilots. Um, stuff like, because I was so friendly, I could make friends with air traffic control on the radios and get the clearances that I needed. Um, you know, I talked quickly so I could brief, like let's get the show on the road kind of thing. Um, and then later in my career, people would actually seek me out for some of the same qualities that I had worked so hard to repress during that phase in my life. Um, the optimism, the energy, the positivity. Um, and now, because I'm straightforward about who I am, the opportunities that I'm presented with align with my strengths and my passions and capabilities. So I think I kind of looking at it backwards, I didn't feel it at the time, but the way I see it now, having learned the hard way, you know, my individuality and my femininity in the Air Force does not make me less capable. It doesn't make me less smart. It doesn't make me a less talented aviator. Um, I I think it makes me more than those things because it, it contributes in certain ways that maybe other people without those traits don't have. Yeah. Um, a previous guest, and I don't know how much you agree with this statement, said when you're a female in the military, you're either stereotyped as a dyke or a bitch. Yeah, I've heard, um, oh, what is it? Bunny, bro, or bitch are your three options. So bunny being like the ditzy, like just trying to hook up with everybody. Bro being like the you do you dudes, like. I'm totally cool with anything, even the stupid, sexist, misogynistic comments. And the other one is the bitch. Um, and it's funny, you know, like 10 years ago when I first started out or 15 or however old I am now, the <laughs> I would have wanted to be the bro. And now I'm like, no, I'll be the bitch. Like in the words of Tina Fey, bitches yeah. get stuff done. And also like, I'm not going to put up with that shit anymore. Like, I don't think your sexist jokes are funny. I don't think that snide comment is appropriate now. And 
I think we've really evolved so much as a service and as a force in general. Um, you know, there's so many avenues to report comments, to report, you know, assault, to like kind of clean this stuff up as we go along. And that only gets remedied if people raise their hand and say like, that's not funny. Like we're moving on yeah. as a society. We're moving on as an air force. Like that's not okay. So yeah, it's interesting. It's again, like kind of in hindsight, who I was is like a young, just wanting to belong and fit in. And like, it's hard for me because I'm a six foot tall redhead. So it's like, it doesn't help that I physically stand out. So I'm like doing everything I can to like shrink myself personality wise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now that I'm older, I'm like, no, nah. That. I'm gonna be who I am. I'm not gonna put up with this shit anymore. Like we're moving past this. Thank God we're moving past this. Yeah, I forgot slut in that. So she said slut oh, yeah. like her bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, yeah. So it's pretty much aligns with what you just yep. said. It was like, yep. uh, you know, I guess the bro one would, and I don't like the word dyke. I'm just gonna put that out there. But that's that yeah. was her yeah. verbiage. Um, that's why I repeated it. I just don't like that word. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's so 1990, <laughs> right? It's just crass. It's like it's not. It doesn't paint a nice picture. Everybody's so nice. No, so gotta do that's that. probably why she said it. Is it doesn't paint a nice picture? That's true. Uh, yeah, it packs a punch. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. But um. You said you think it's per, like the military has progressed. Um, however, I still think, I don't know if you agree with this. I still think there's a lot of room to grow. Um, my absolutely. Sp- my yeah, spouse absolutely. was a sapper victim ag- advocate and mm-hmm. it was unfortunate. It broke his heart because predominantly women were getting assaulted that came, yeah. that came forward for women. And many of them never went beyond sapper like turning somebody in and actually saying their name because i don't know if you're familiar with sapper but they didn't have to they didn't have to turn in to get to get the help right they could get the services from sapper and not turn in the person and a lot of times they wouldn't because they were afraid for their career yeah no i'm very familiar with sapper i was a um sapper sexual assault prevention response i was actually a sergeant at my last assignment so i was the coordinator for the um, basis sapper program and victim advocate and all that stuff. And yeah, I mean, the stuff that you see, the stuff that you hear breaks your heart. Like we used to joke that my husband had to be my emotional support animal because after working a day in the sapper office, like you come home and you're a mess, like, yeah. Oh, heaving sobs on behalf of like these poor people who are the victims of such atrocious, like it's awful. Um, so yeah, no, 100% there's still work to be done. Um, I think we're kind of at this point from my perspective where, the younger generation coming up is starting to figure it out a little bit better. And the policies coming from the top down are starting to better align with where we are as a society and where we want to go. It's kind of that gap in the middle now, which is like getting this figured out. Um, So like, for example, some of the recent policies that have passed, um, the DOD recently just came out and said, DOD wide, if you are a parent, you will get three months of paternal or paternity leave. Wow, it was only like, what was it, 10 days or some shit when my spouse? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) granted, like, this is super recent, like, months ago. So this is not, like, we're catching up. Like, we're trying really hard to catch up, and we're behind. Like, this should have been happening, you know, five, ten years ago, whatever, but, um, or forever ago, quite frankly. But, um, yeah, so stuff like that, where, like, big policies, you know, the civilians who are running the military are saying, I don't care what you guys want to do. This is where we're going as a force. 
Um, I'm here for it. Absolutely. My husband was home with me. We just had our second kid. Um, she just turned four months old today, but he was home Aww. with me up until a couple weeks ago. Like it was amazing versus for our first kid. He didn't get any, like he was back at work the day after we got home from the hospital. Like it's so stuff like that. Like, I mean, the big air force is starting to get it a little bit more. Um, other examples include like they recently changed the hair regulations in the air force. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you used to have to have like that super slick, that tight bun. Um, you know, there was a lot of issues with women of color not being able to kind of like stick their hair in that box, if you will. It just it doesn't work like that. So, um, and then again, kind of feeling other and that their hair didn't look like, you know, the way that it did in the regulation manual. So um, yeah, like different changes now, you know, you can wear a ponytail, you can wear a braid. Um, women of color can have their hair in locks. Like you can do braids, it's um, like multiple braids for women of color. So it's, again, like we're trending, I think in a good direction. Um, it's just, ugh, uh, change takes time and I hate that it does like I wish I could just wake up in the morning and it would like magically be where we need to be as a society it's just taking its sweet ass time yeah I was fortunate my spouse wasn't wasn't on a ship that was being deployed at the time um mm -hmm. because otherwise he would have never got those 10 days but all he got was yeah. 10 days that's all it yeah, was like, isn't that so sad like a whopping 10 days like yeah so and our babies were in the NICU and I had a c-section mm -hmm. so I'm like mm -hmm. what the hell do I do Dude. with these babies who are in the NICU no. I had a c-section I'm fortunate I had somebody come down and visit who was able to help me otherwise I would have been SOL my babies would have been sitting in the NICU and I wouldn't have been yeah. able to go see them because I could outrageous yeah yeah oh it breaks my heart it breaks my heart and like oh I'm kind of at an advantage in that you know I'm an officer my husband's an officer um but you look at like the young junior enlisted kids who kind of remind me of myself back you know when I was 22 years old mm -hmm. brand new in the military like you're young you don't know like you don't know what you don't know kind of thing and even if you do know that something's wrong you don't have the rank you don't have the authority probably I don't want to even say courage because that implies that it's something that they're lacking but you know you can't step up and say something because there's no way that you're going to get it changed because you're young and you know like you just don't trust yourself yet so it breaks my heart to see that like if my husband and I are going through certain things I can only imagine how aggressively worse it is for the enlisted corps or for the younger ranking officers like it just it breaks my heart like I'll be your advocate hit me up <laughs> yeah no, I, I, I mean, you kind of get punished if you're lower in rank and you stand up and say something like you, you become the problem child. Like. Yeah. And even if you don't get punished, there's a certain idea that you will. So like that barrier in and of itself is enough to make people not want to stand up. You know, it's kind of like the mental health crisis that we have. Like, even mm -hmm. if you don't get punished, even if you don't lose your security clearance, like you can say that all day long, but if the stigma is still there, people aren't going to raise their hand, not going to step up and kind of, you know, hold people, hold institutions accountable. And again, a, a long, they, they've come a long way, but they still have a long way to go because there are certain jobs yes. in, in the Navy that I know of that if you get put on medications, you no longer allowed to have that job. You are now disqualified mm -hmm. from having that job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the same in the aviation community. You know, every single thing that we do medically has to go through the flight medicine. So our flight docs own us, basically. And they're all great people. Like, don't get me wrong. It's not, <laughs> you know, doing horrible things behind the scenes. But 
Um, you know, like they've got a look list and they can go down and say, I know you need this medication, but if you go on it, like you're not going to be able to fly anymore. Like you would have to get a waiver, which is probably not going to get approved. And, you know, it's a whole thing. So a lot of people just, again, keep their heads down. They don't fess up to stuff that's going wrong physically, mentally. Like it's just, it sucks. Like, and then it, it's frustrating too. Like, for example, when I was, we lived in Hawaii before we moved to DC. And when we moved there, I started getting really, really, really bad chronic migraines. Like, debilitating mm-hmm. couldn't see like had the you know anybody who's had a migraine could empathize <laughs> like they're not fun yeah um so it wasn't safe for me to fly like so I had to go to the flight dock and say like I know this is going to f me over like I'm going to be out of the jet probably forever by raising my hand but like I can't I can't take a crew up like it's not safe it wouldn't be fair to their families so he was able to then look through and say okay yeah we have to you know put you med down you're going to be demand which is duties not including flying um Oh, but like, here's some medications that I think would work, but I can't give them to you because they haven't been vetted by the Air Force yet. And that process takes 20 years. And by the time that happens, there will be better technology. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the bureaucracy of it, I think, too, really stands in our way some of the times. Um, and it's just frustrating. You know, it's frustrating to see like, oh, this could be a solution, but we can't do it because the bureaucracy and, you know, it's just not the way that things have been going. So it's frustrating. Do, for sure. do you think that when the older crowd the ones that have been in for a, a very long time. And I don't even mean like 20 years. I mean, a very long time mm-hmm. start to retire and get out of the way that things might improve faster. So it's five years ago, I would have said yes. And now looking at our leadership, I mean, you probably read about it in the news all the time. Like a lot of our DOD officials right now are kind of the subject of people being like, oh, they're too woke. They're too worried yeah. about that. You know, like wokeism is like a bad word now, which well, don't even get me started on that. Like, <laughs> I, oh my God. <laughs> it's like the best compliment. Somebody was like, you're woke. I'd be like, thank you. Yeah. Oh um, I have a yeah, very so, liberal audience. <laughs> exactly. Yes. You guys are my people. <laughs> um, so it's, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it kind of depends on who is in the seat at any given time. You know, like five years ago was very different than where it is right now. And, um, you know, all these policies that we were talking about, like those came from the top, like those came from the people who were in those senior positions. Um, there was a case a couple years ago, Tucker Carlson came out, um, you know, the Fox news commentator, there was, we just released maternity flight suits, which I can talk about that in a second, why that's advantageous. But he came out and he was like, this is a total joke. Like, military were being feminized like what an absolute disgrace like china is not going to respect us blah 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 and our senior leaders came out and they were like f that guy like that's not true at all you know women are 50 percent of the population that's 50 percent of a talent pool that we can tap into you know they're serving just like else like you know they really came to bat for us and i was talking to my husband about it and it's funny he was like he's a marine and he's a dude so he doesn't you know he tries but like he's a marine he's a dude so he's like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just don't know if it's professional for our senior leaders to be like doing this back and forth with commentators and with like political stuff. And I was like, I get that. But from the perspective of a woman who had a senior leader go to bat for her in such a large scope, like that was huge for me. And it was mm-hmm. huge for all of the women serving when we were like, oh my God, like people really think this? Like Tucker Carlson is speaking to and on behalf of people who genuinely believe this, that like being feminine in the military is a horrible thing to have senior leaders step up and say like, no, actually like we stand by our women. They're fucking awesome. Like 
go F yourself. That was pretty, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty spectacular. So yeah, I mean, I, I think some instances getting back to your question, like, you know, the guy who gave me such horrible feedback in flight school. Yeah. F that guy, like when he gets out, it will be a better place. Um, <laughs> But I think it really is so personality dependent and that coming back to like us just being a sample of the population, it really is just kind of dependent on who's in leadership at the time and like how things are going. And yeah, it's hard to say one way or the other, but I'm pretty excited about some of the policies that have recently changed. Are you worried that if leadership changes that some of these things could get revoked? Um, I don't know if I would say I'm worried about it. I think the culture could certainly shift again. Um, but military doctrine and like our AFIs, like our Air Force instructions and um, those kinds of things, like once they're in paper, it's almost kind of like a legal system where, you know, like if it has a legal precedent, it's pretty rare that like a court or a judge is going to overturn that precedent. Um, so I don't like the stuff that's actually codified. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. Like, I personally am not too concerned about that um, because it's quite rare for us to go back on official policy. Um, but again, I think the culture certainly could shift. You know, that that comes from leadership, and depending on who leadership is at the time, like that drives drives a lot in our military. Yeah, and it could attract people you don't want to attract, mm-hmm. right? You want to have a representative sample of individuals in the United States because the military is a representative of the United States. But when you have leadership that has certain uh, priorities, not Mm -hmm. negative priorities, (laughs) very uh, misogynistic (laughs) priorities. The word traditional. I wear the level of traditional. Like traditional is just code for misogynistic. traditional is not like a happy place for women or people of color to be like it might be for a white dude like a straight white dude right like you've got to put yourself in other people's shoes like I mean I'll kind of go into the flight suit thing the maternity flight suit thing and how like that can kind of be an example of this so yeah maternity flight suits you look at it you're like that is ridiculous like why are we doing this okay I will tell you why we are doing this so for us to fly in the jet there have been recent policies that have passed, say, if you are pregnant, you can fly during certain trimesters as long as, you know, you're safe, you're healthy, your doctor says it's okay. Right. Awesome. I can keep flying. That's fantastic. So what do I do when I get bigger? Like, I can't fit into my flight suit. So what we had been doing up until, you know, two years ago, I guess, when this policy came out, is just sizing up flight suits. Like, women who were married to other aviators just wore their husband's flight suits. That's cool in theory, but when they don't fit you elsewhere on your body now things happen like your sleeves are getting caught in the throttles so the jet is doing things that you don't want it to do just because your uniform doesn't fit um you can't hold the stick a certain way because of the way that your sleeves are and you know you've got too much fabric around your middle like all this stuff so there is actually a reason that we need good fitting flight suits so we don't mess up the controls you know we don't get the tiller snagged on something when we're taxiing like objectively we need good fitting uniforms. So this policy, you know, the women's initiative team for the Air Force was like, let's take this on. Like, let's see what we can do to fix this. Did the maternity flight suit, rave reviews. It's awesome. And it gives us the advantage of now I can keep flying when I'm pregnant. So Tucker Carlson mm-hmm. was like, oh, you know, we're going to go to war with China and they're going to laugh at us. If we go to war with China, I want my best pilots flying that war against right. China, right? Like I don't want the B team. I want the A team. 
And a lot of my A-team are women. And a lot of my A-team, you know, like they're getting people ready. They're instructors. They need to be flying to help, you know, get this effort going. So if you say women can't fly when they're pregnant, period, dot, you know, or yes, they can, but they can't use a good fitting flight suit. It's going to mess up the jet. They're not going to want to fly, you know, and risk that and their crew. So you're at this place where now you're losing your talent. You know, it's about talent retention. It's about um, kind of talent maximization, maximization, maximizing, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you don't have that, you're losing, again, like you're losing your A-team. Why would you want to lose your A-team? That doesn't make any sense. Yes, a lot of your A-team are women and they're feminine. Like, okay, I'm still a good fucking pilot. Like, what's the problem? Right. So do you think these changes uh, might attract more women to join the military? Because before it, I mean, it still kind of does have a certain reputation, but before it had like a really bad reputation. Do you think now women are being attracted more to the military because oh, of changes? I hope so. I really <laughs> hope so. I mean, we've talked a lot about like all the negatives, but God, the military is so fantastic in so many ways, like the opportunities it can provide you. And, you know, whether that be education or just like, you know, as a C-17 pilot, like when I was flying operationally, I was traveling all the time. Like yeah, my friends would hit me up and be like, sorry, I'm in Germany right now. I'm in Spain right now. Like I'm in Saudi Arabia right now. I can't, you know, like all that, like just such unique opportunities, so much fun, like amazing, amazing people that you meet. Um, you get to really kind of push yourself in ways that you can't anywhere else. And you're challenged and your intellect is challenged and your leadership is challenged. It's like, it really is a fantastic institution in a lot of ways and does provide a lot of opportunity in that way. Um, so yeah, I really hope so. Like it almost kind of feels like women are missing out on such a great opportunity just because of the stigma associated with it. When in reality, mm-hmm. like, yes, that exists to a certain point, but there's also so many good things that come with it. And by the way, we have like a really great sisterhood in the military. Like women are my jam. Like, oh my gosh, it's the best. Like some of the women that I served with in Charleston, like we would be on deployment and they made me a birthday crown out of tinfoil because we were second. Like, you know, like um, we would go to the beach together and we wore like those really stupid umbrella hats and like that was our weekends and we went wedding dress shopping together. You know, like that's kind of the, the, um, like the side of female military life that you don't necessarily see and hear about is like this almost sorority type of environment. Um, and I've like, that is priceless in and of itself for me. Like, I would have joined the military again in a heartbeat if I had known that is kind of what was waiting for me on the other side. Yeah. And travel, especially my spouse, that was, has been, was one of his favorite parts of being in the military, being on a submarine. He got to go and see like so many different countries. He probably would have never had the opportunity to see mm-hmm. and try different things. He was like, we would just go into restaurants where we don't know how to speak the language. We just point at things and it would come and we got to try new yeah. food. <laughs> yep. Yep. I mean, I've been to places that I literally did not even know existed. Like little small islands, like Ascension Island in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean that looks like Jurassic Park. Like I didn't know that place was there. Um, your husband's a sub guy. So he probably knows like Diego Garcia out in the Indian Ocean, like little private island basically for the military in the Maldives, like stuff like that, you know, and like the most bizarre experiences and just like, just cool shit. Like just so much fun. Just 
you know, and especially in the C-17 community and the mobility community in the Air Force, like you fly with a crew, right? So like, you're not on your own for this stuff. Like we would land, we would crew rest and the whole crew would go out and do this stuff together. And yeah, like a lot of times I was the only woman on the crew, but like there are good dudes out there too. Like we talk a lot about, you know, the negatives and yes, there are bad people out there, but I would say 99.9% of the people that I serve with in the military and the guys that I fly with, like they are good people and they have my back and they have the backs of other women. And like, you know, we, they would walk me places like when we're on deployment, if it's like a dark and shady area, they're like, I'm not walking back to the dorms because I don't want you to go by yourself, you know, like stuff like that. Or um, it just, there really, there really are some good yeah, no, there really is. I, I, and I'm a little jaded because I got really irritated with the Navy towards the end. But <laughs> as do we all, as do we yeah, all. <laughs> the stereotype that the military is conservative and that it's like, like super masculine. <laughs> it doesn't fit. Uh, from what I've seen, it doesn't. It's not the majority. It's not the majority anymore mm-hmm. that's like that. Like even amongst families yep. and everything like that. I'll tell you, I am so thankful that I get to keep my health insurance for the rest of my life because my spouse mm-hmm. retired. Mm-hmm. Like that, I, I complain a lot about TRICARE, but it is some good insurance compared to other yeah, insurances. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, now to your point about like, everybody thinks like, oh, brute, masculine, traditional, like, conservative yeah of course like there's going to be people like that because again we're a sample of the population but to your point like that is not the vibe that I feel being in it right now so um like when I was at my first operational squadron my husband this huge 6'2 jack marine was a key spouse and he would show up to the bake sales with brownies and sell his brownies with the rest of spouses you know like the pictures of all the spouses on the spouse flight it's like all these women and then Nick you know it's like (laughs) so that kind of like He's like, hell yeah, let's do it. Like, absolutely, I'm a key spouse. Here we go. Um, So stuff like that. Like, it's just, it is a very, we're getting there. I will say that. And like, even in the jet, um, for example, like when we fly through some Middle Eastern countries, um, the air traffic controllers don't like to talk to you on the radio if you're a woman. So I don't care. Like, I've got a clearance. I'm just going to blitz through your country. Like, you don't have to talk to me. Bye. But the guys on the jet with me would get so so enraged on my behalf like I cannot believe they're not talking to you what injustice this is just awful like what year are we in meanwhile I'm like it's it's fine like it is what it is whatever like and the the way that they had my back you know and like these 20 year old kids with the load masters in the back are like on fire for me like that is the community that I know here in the military right now it's it's exceptional truly like they're of course, there's always going to be a bad side, but the good side is really, really good. There are some good people out there. So you said earlier that you have kind of found that people enjoy who you are. Does that include them really respecting your femininity? Because you said you're really feminine, like Elle Woods in the military, which by yeah. the way, those are some <laughs> of my favorite movies. <laughs> so I got really excited when you so said that. Good. I feel yeah. like I'm like Elle Woods and then like maybe with like Ted Lasso thrown in there. Like I'm obnoxious <laughs> and I, I'll be the first to admit it. Um, yeah, no, I think uh, the Air Force is a little bit more progressive. I would say kind of the other services when it comes to that. Um, especially, you know, my time in the Navy with the Marines and like growing up in army posts and stuff, like kind of be exposed to all the different branches. I think 
you know, I'm going to advocate for the Air Force a little bit more. I think we've kind of gotten that. Uh, we're ahead of the game when it comes to kind of embracing that piece. Um, but also, like, you know, we talked about my being super friendly and bright and bubbly. And by showing that, others can then introduce me to opportunities that capitalize on those strengths for both of us. So I think people have realized that, like, oh, this might actually be beneficial for us as an institution, for me and my job, for, you know, what Terry can offer. So um, an example. So let's say public speaking. So one of my personal strengths as a super bubbly, you know, like, upbeat, let's do this. I can connect with an audience. I really like public speaking. I can keep mm -hmm. an audience engaged. I kind of provide something different than that standard monotone lecture to a PowerPoint that we so often <laughs> see in the military. So like, I might not be your cup of tea, but by God, you're not going to fall asleep listening to me. You know what I mean? Like, I'll keep you engaged. So I know I'm good at briefing. I actually really like doing it. So it's a win-win when people seek me out to do that. You know, like I provide an exceptional uh, like product, if you will. And then I get to really thrive and find joy in my job. And I think if I tried to keep myself in a box, if I tried to hide those attributes and kind of conform like that instructor from flight school wanted me to, um, I would never have gotten to experience this. And I would never have given others the opportunity to prove me wrong or to prove me right, however you want to look at it. You know, like I kind of would have spoken on their behalf, but in reality, there are people out there who are like, no, let's give you these cool opportunities that fit with who you are. So, um, you know, I got to be a four-star general's favorite briefer when I worked in his commander's action group. That was something that then allowed me to get more involved in his day-to-day -day work. And that allowed me to get rid of some super cool stuff. Um, you know, I got to run point for a Netflix crew and they came in and fly them around because my squad oh, cool. was like, Psh, you're fucking perfect for this. Like, yeah, go up, take them out. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I would have been plugged into other things that I wouldn't really have enjoyed. And I would have been put into environments where I wasn't happy and where I really didn't innately excel. Um, and I think it, it really would have been a square peg round hole kind of situation that was of my own making because I was kind of assuming on behalf of others when in reality, like there are people out there who wanted me and who want you to do the things that you're good at and the things that bring you mm -hmm. joy, even if that is different than everybody else, like you offer something unique, you offer something different. And by doing that, like, you know, the real, you will attract the things that are meant for you and the things that are good for you and therein will be beneficial for everybody else on the back end of it. Yeah, I've definitely heard from my spouse, the death by PowerPoint. Yeah. <laughs> These like sometimes people are talking and your eyes are just fluttering closed. So I'm sure yeah. he would appreciate it's, you saying that. Like yeah. that, I it's have... the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, can't even. No, imagine. I mean, so I've bad. had professors in college like that, right? Where yeah. you're just like, oh my god, how have you been teaching this long? Because this is so boring. I but, want to gouge my eyes out. Yeah. No, yeah, <laughs> but then you get people who have a lot of energy and are engaged and, and love what they do. So I can totally understand where you're coming from. You have a lot of energy. It's obvious on this podcast. You have a lot of energy. You're engaged. Heck, you were just like, you're so promotional about the military. I'm like, wow, like <laughs> they need to put you on an advertisement. Or hey, something careful right what you wish for. Oh my God. <laughs> and so like, you know, um, I can see like how that would be really beneficial to other people, not just you. Yeah. You know what I will say too, like when you are more authentically yourself in so many different ways, it, 
it's such a benefit to the world and whatever job and whatever environment, whatever community. You're in. So, you know, by being who you really are, you can give other people permission to be who they truly are. Um, I think feeling seen and heard is so critical for human connection mm -hmm. and happiness. Like we really do have that fundamental need to belong somewhere. Um, and you can be that safe space for other people. You know, you can give them the permission to show up as who they are. Um, and then again, kind of from that objective perspective, when people feel comfortable showing up with who they are and feel comfortable showing you who they are, you can then learn their strengths and leverage those strengths for mutual benefit. You know, like we were talking about with my public speaking. So you can maximize the talents of others. You can generate those stronger teams. You can have deeper connections. You can ultimately get more effective mission output, you know, whatever your mission is per se. Um, and, you know, there's so many studies out there that show how beneficial diversity and diversity of thought are in a workplace, but you can only harness those benefits if people feel comfortable actually showing up mm -hmm. as their authentic selves. You know, if they feel comfortable being different, if they feel comfortable in their uniqueness, and really, I mean, you can create that type of environment, whether you're in a leadership position or not, simply by being comfortable in your uniqueness and kind of letting that reflect in your work and your um, just your being in general. Yeah, I agree 100%. So as we wrap up the podcast today, what would you like to leave the Inspired Women audience with? I, you guys are all awesome. Girl <laughs> Um, girl power. All girl power. Also, I think my biggest takeaway from you know everything we've shared today, and really probably my experiences up to this point, you can be exactly who you are, and succeed in whatever you want to succeed in. You do not need to shrink yourself. You do not need to change yourself. You do not need to conform to you know the more again quote unquote traditional idea of what that role looks like. Show up as who you are and you can do whatever you want to do. Yes, I love that. Well, Terry, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun chatting with you. Thank you for tuning in with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating or review. Follow us on social media at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, The Inspired Women Podcast.